Let's look tonight in Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Everybody knows Psalm 100. You'll notice the title of the message is just very simply, thank you. And I got to thinking back. You remember how hard it was to teach your children to say thank you? You know, usually somebody would be there and they would hand them something or do something or whatever. And the child would just take whatever it was or uh, whatever it might be. And then you would have to prompt them. What do you say? You know, I, I got to thinking about that. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad that they knew it better be thank you instead of saying something else about that time. But thank you has become kind of a... a passing thing there's some that still remember to say thank you and we we try to say thank you but I wonder how it would be if we had to be prompted every time we forgot to say thank you to God because we do don't we <laughs> You know, we, we, we take things and, and we'll say, oh, yeah, thank you, God, for something that uh, benefits us, something that seems grand to us. But then there are so many things that pass us by that we fail to mention thank you. We talked about counting our gifts, counting our blessings counting the things that God has done for us. And it all sums itself up in this one little thing called thank you. And so tonight I, I want to, to look at this, this phrase thank you in, this, in Psalm 100. But I also want to remind you of something that a few weeks ago I told you that one of the ways that Satan is defeated in our daily life is by those two words. Thank you. And what I mean by that is, is that there's not anything that happens in our life that we pray and say, dear God, forgive me, I have sinned. And it will never fail. <clears throat> Satan will come back and throw that right back at you. And the reason for that is, is that he likes to keep us living back there. Now, once God we pray and we truly ask for forgiveness the bible says that god forgives us he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness isn't that right Amen. so <clears throat> if that happens then what satan is trying to do is to keep you living in the past under the cloud of this that's happened but if you were to go back and say dear god forgive me for this he would say, I don't know what you're talking about. Not only does he forgive us, he forgets. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't know what happened. He knows what happens, but he doesn't bring it back up to you. Okay? Now, that's what God forgetting means. Uh, people think, okay, God just forgets. No, he doesn't forget. He knows everything that I've ever done in my life. 
and he doesn't forget that, but he never brings it back up to me, never throws it in my face, never makes me feel bad because of what happened back there. So if God doesn't bring it up to us, who does? It has to be Satan. So how do we defeat Satan? You've got to get yourself uh, in line with the fact that when God forgives, he forgets it. It's over with. It's done. Okay? He is faithful and just to forgive us. So if it comes back to you, the greatest thing we can say is, thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me for that. And you need to say it until you convince yourself, I have been forgiven. See, it takes us a while. We don't, we don't catch on too quick. And so that, those two little words, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, God. You've already taken care of that. Thank you, God, that you don't bring those things up to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And all of a sudden it dawns on us, I've been forgiven. Thank you. So that th th those two words will work when you and I are fighting or uh, kind of clashing, I guess, with Satan over what, what he's trying to do to us. So he'll move on to something else. So you better be ready. But thank you is something that we all need. Now, there's not a one of you here that know me very well that, that doesn't know that my favorite holiday of the year is what? Thanksgiving. And the reason is four things. Faith. Family. Food. Football. The four F's. I love it. And, and by the way, in about an hour and 40 minutes, It'll be four days until football starts. Okay. And so I'm just thanking God for Friday. Friday will be here. If you need me, don't call till after 10 o'clock because I'm busy. All right. Now, Thanksgiving is a time that we set aside to give thanks to God. But all of that is, is overrun by the pageantry of Thanksgiving leading into Christmas. So you have, you have to make yourself give thanks. So when we start saying thank you, we teach our children to say thank you. We teach our grandchildren to say thank you. We need to learn to say thank you to each other. Thank you. It's just something that we do, and it's, it's a courteous thing that we are to do. But in Psalms 100... There are some things there that help us understand and remind us <coughs> exactly what it means to say thanks. Thanks. And you know, just that, that word itself speaks a whole lot as to who we are and how we perceive and how we uh, do things. And the writer, writer of the psalm, it, it begins with this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, that, that's one of those verses that we take and, and we've made it where it fits 
the shortcomings of certain individuals in the church. Because we like to say, well, I can't sing, but the Bible says all you got to do is make a joyful noise. Okay? Have you ever heard that? Make a joyful noise. Well, here's the problem. In God's ear, it may be joyful. But down here, if you're sitting by somebody, it's just a noise. And so you're better just not to say anything. Don't sing. Just smile and shake your head. And everything will be better. But the Scripture teaches us that we are to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We are to respond to Him. We are to respond to His blessings. We are to respond to His goodness. We are to respond to His grace. We are to depend upon Him. And the only way we can do that is to lay ourselves before Him. And there's so many things that, that we offer unto God as making this joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, you can imagine back in uh, David's time when all this was happening and, and we had uh, certain little instruments that they used and they played, and, and they played them well, evidently. But it also reminds us that, that here is all of this going on, and in the din of everything that's happening, sometimes we get lost in the midst of the noise. So what we must try to do is to make sure that when we make a cry unto God, it is a joyful cry because we are in His presence. So let's finish this little psalm. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. That'd make a good song. Somebody write that down. Serve the Lord with gladness, okay? Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord... He is God. It is He that has made us, not we ourselves. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. What does it mean? For us to bring ourselves to the place where we are willing to remember, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you to whoever it might be. Let's look at what the writer of this psalm said and see the things that he left for us so that we might be able to remember just to say, thanks, Lord. Thanks. Look at the first thing. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. And then the last thing in there, it says, His truth endures to all generations. Now, I want you to notice something about that. God's truth is what meets the needs of in every aspect of our life, God's truth. God's truth meets the needs of every part of our life. Because when you talk about truth, we're not talking about understanding some concept. And we're not talking about understanding a certain part of a conversation. We're talking about knowing a person. Now, when we try to teach our children, always tell the truth. 
that goes by the wayside a lot. There's not a one of us sitting in here that hasn't told a lie, hadn't tried to cover it up, hadn't tried to do anything only to have God expose it. Always comes back at you. But the fact is that we have the epitome of truth, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truth. He told us that in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless he comes by me. So it is knowing a person. And so when we think about truth, let's, let's think about these things that, that we see and we know within ourselves about what truth is. Because you see, when Jesus names himself and he says, I am the truth, that truth that he is revealing is the Father that's in heaven. We don't see him. He is spirit. Jesus made that plain in John chapter 4. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. How would we know God if he's spirit? He enfleshed himself. And Jesus came to this earth. We call it the incarnation. We go back to Bethlehem. We celebrate it every December for some reason. And we, we bring ourselves to the place of understanding that, that God now has come to us in the flesh. His name is Jesus. And he's come to reveal the Father to us. That's what uh, Jesus continued on in chapter 14 of John. And he said, Lord, the, they said, show us the Father and it will suffice us. And he said, good grief, how long have I been with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we see in him, in Christ, he is the truth that reveals the Father to us. In John 1 and 14, the scripture says he became flesh and dwelt among us. He became like us, yet without sin. We understand that about him. And then Jesus began to describe to us the truth that he has. Now, one of the characters of God, and it, it's part of, it, it is the truth of what God represents to us when we know that Jesus has revealed God to us now. And then one of the characteristics of God that I think we overlook sometimes is that God has told us He is Emmanuel. You remember what the angel said to, to Joseph? He is Emmanuel. From what Isaiah said, God with us. Folks, we forget that characteristic of God. We talk about grace and mercy and goodness and all of these other things. But do you understand that the truth of God is the fact that He is with us? He is God. He is with us. You see, he hasn't, he hasn't walked off and left us. Now, back in, back in the 1800s when this country was being founded, there were a lot of, there were not a lot, but there were several different religions. And we're talking about different churches at that particular time. But one of the, one of the things that many of our founding fathers believed, they were deists. They, they believed that, that God was there, and they believed that God uh, made this world and all these other things, but they, they believed that God just sat up there, and He didn't interfere with us. So they had to do everything that they could do to make everything right. But when you understand that God is Emmanuel, God with us, everything that you and I need, God's with us. When the struggles of life begin to feel heavy upon us, why don't you just hand them over to Him? He's with us. 
When we find ourselves in, in this, this place where it seems that we're wandering, why don't you stop and take a hold of his hand? He's with us. When you need wisdom to help you guide you through the day or, or through a, a difficulty in your life or your family, guess what? He's with us. Every Sunday when we gather here together, we pray for God to be a part of us. And when we gather here in his name, we pray that the power of the Spirit, that God would unleash it. And the reason is God is with us. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to come to you. It's called the Holy Spirit. God is with us. Folks, that is the truth. He's with us. And we need to understand He is with us, and that, that puts a smile on our face. You know, God being with us, Emmanuel, that means He's, he's gentle. He's gentle to us. Do you, do you know uh, or realize it just take God about uh, nine-tenths of a nanosecond to take you out of here? Boom. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't take anything at all. But He's very gentle. He's very kind. We sin against Him. We have an advocate in, in Christ Jesus who pleads our case for us. He is such a gentle God to us that He doesn't unleash all of his, his wrath upon us. In fact, He wants to protect us from the wrath. He is that gentle God, but He is a grand God. He feels the universe. You ever, you ever try to think about how big this universe is? We don't know. It just keeps expanding and expanding expanding and it's all because God has put all of this together for us we don't understand how we don't know and we never will know we're it, it's beyond us but we do know that God provides for us everything that we need and he's reaching down to touch us to heal us to guide us to protect us he is Emmanuel when you read in, in this, and he talks about he is the truth, we talk about his faithfulness to us. And his faithfulness means that every promise that God has made, he'll keep. And you read about Abraham over in, in uh, the uh, uh, fourth chapter of Romans, that Abraham believed God's promises, and he believed God. He believed the promises that God made. We can go back in the book of Genesis and we can see the promises that God made to Noah. We all know that promise, don't we? He put that bow in the sky and what did he say? I'll never flood you again. You can believe it. We look and we see those rainbows. It's a promise of God. We ought to recognize that. It's a promise that God has given to us. He told Abraham, I'm going to protect you forever i will protect you i'll protect your people if somebody's good to you i'll be good to them if they turn against you i'll stop them that's what that's what always gets me when uh, i hear about these these little countries like damascus and syria or lebanon and syria and then they start shooting rockets over there here not long ago lebanon got to shooting rockets at israel and i forgot how many they shot but the Iron Dome that Israel has knocked down 98% of them. And then there was about six or seven of them that landed out in a field where nothing was. 
and they exploded out there and it didn't do anything. Nothing happened. And you wonder why. Because God made a covenant with Abraham. And that's why, folks, I've told you time and time again, once our nation turns its back on Israel, we better move to Israel. Because God's not going to put up with that. He's made a promise, and He will keep that promise. He made a promise to you when you accepted Christ as your Savior. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He told us that we, be we become His child. He tells us that we're an heir of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He told us that He's prepared a place for us. He is faithful, and He will keep that promise. That's the truth of who God is in us. The truth is God is the God of all power. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what else we're facing. God is all power. Satan has a lot of power, but only to a point. God is all power, and Satan can only do what God allows to be done. Do you get that? You see that? He, he stopped him short with Job, and that's just to teach us. Yeah, Satan's active, and yeah, Satan's going to get after us, and yeah, Satan will take us away when we allow that. But folks, there is just so much God will allow Satan to do. And he holds him back, and the only time he's ever going to turn him loose is when the tribulation begins. Read 2 Thessalonians. It's right in there. And Paul tells us that's just exactly what's going to happen. He is the truth. He is the power. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He's coming to receive us. We're going to live with Him. That's the truth. That's the power of God. But then He is a God of purpose for us. His purpose is that He reveals Christ to us and that we show Christ in His heart. Now, if He is that kind of a God, it also means that His truth will supply all of our needs. Now, if you've, if you've never memorized or if you've never looked in Philippians 4.19... You need to mark that and you need to learn it. For my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that verse, don't you? <coughs> my God shall supply, there's that little word, A-L-L. -L. What does it mean? All of your needs. Not just part of them, all of your needs. Well, what if he runs out? According to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. He owns it all. And his riches never run out. So he is providing for us. And he gives to us. And he meets every need that we have. Because he has the resources to meet that need. And they never run short. We never run dry. It always belongs even to them. And you know the good thing about it? That God that supplies all of our needs supplies our needs even though we don't think we need it. You know, sometimes we get pretty spiritual, you know, and, and we think that we're just a little bit beyond uh, where a lot of other people are. So I'm sure God's real proud of me so I can just go on and do my thing and then let God take care of everybody else. Don't you know he smiles at stuff like that? He smiles at that because he recognizes that I don't think that I need anything. And yet God continues to give to us so that we will have everything that we are going to need. And those needs that he supplies, even though it, it seems beyond us, always come at the 
exact time we need it. Have you ever experienced that? Something's going on, something's happening, things are happening in your life. And we cry out and we say, oh God, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, there it is. You see, that's the kind of God that we serve. That God that supplies our needs and brings it at the right time. He answers us. He answers our prayers at the right time. I still have to, I, I can't listen. Uh, and you know, I, I guess you know, you know, I, I love country music. And I, I like uh, old country music. But there's, there's a, a new guy in town. He, he's been around for a while. His name is Garth Brooks. And he sings a song called Unanswered Prayer. And I listened to it one time several years ago. Unanswered Prayer. I thank God for unanswered prayer. And I just want to reach in there and grab him and, and take him and say, that's not right. You can't thank God for unanswered prayer because he answers every prayer. Sometimes he'll say, no, what are you, nuts? Don't do that. No. Sometimes he says, you're not old enough. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not mentally prepared for this. Wait. 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 And then sometimes God will say, okay. And he answers that prayer. But he answers every prayer. God meets our needs and he brings the right answer to us just at the right time. <coughs> just think what a mess we'd be in if God just said, we prayed and said, God, I, I need this. And he said, okay, there you go. What are you going to do with it? Aren't you glad God waits until it's the right time to supply our needs? Abundantly, God gives us everything. He's truth. And that's what it says here. But look at this. Verse 3, not only is truth, but, but watch this. Know ye that the Lord is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And you know what that reminds me of? Especially when it says, he is the one that has made us. I, I think of the potter and the clay. Jeremiah 18. I love Jeremiah 18. The potter and the clay. God took nothing and made this earth. God flung the stars into the heaven. God picked up the sun and he set it exactly where it needed to be. He picked up the moon and he, and he made it and he put it where it needed to be so the sun could shine on it and we could see a moon like we had this morning early. And then he made all of the other planets around us and he made this earth so that we could dwell on it and he divided the, the water and the land and then he began to put everything together on this earth in which you and I live. And I see the creation of God as he spoke. But it reminds you and I, we can't speak and make anything, but God has given us our hands. And God's hands are extended to us in so many things of this life. Not only does, did he create us, but you notice the last part of that. And that we are the sheep of his pasture. You see, He is the shepherd that guides us. 
He is the shepherd that leads us. He is the shepherd of this 23rd Psalm that brings us to the place of provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil. Your rod and your staff, one in each hand, is with me. And that's the way God is with us. The truth is, folks, His hands are extended to us to give us everything that we need as the sheep of His pasture. But you remember that there was a time when the storms came. And you remember during that time that Jesus stood up and He said, Peace be still. And He calmed the storm. And there are times in our life when storms come to us and God reaches down and He takes the tail end of that storm and He just lays it down and the storm ceases. He's in the midst of the storm. He is there with us if we would only hear Him. And I understand our Sunday school this morning was about that that still small voice of God. And you know, sometimes we get to looking uh, for for the... the fire oh we just want God to do something uh, so far beyond anything that anybody's ever seen and then they'll know it's God we want the wind to blow we want it to blow so hard that it just blows everything over until everybody says oh God is on his throne and we're looking for the fire and we're looking for the wind and we don't hear God God doesn't need to put on a show for anybody he doesn't need to set anything on fire he doesn't need to blow us over he just speaks and we got to listen or we'll miss what God is doing to us he is the one that has offered his hands to us Those hands that will lead us through our life as our shepherd that guides us. Those hands that will reach out and calm the storm that is surrounding us. But do you remember in John 21 when Jesus was standing on the seashore and he's cooking breakfast for his disciples? Can't you just imagine the smell? All that bacon and sausage fried. Biscuits making. Jesus making eggs for them. And they said, have you got any fish? They hadn't caught anything all night. They couldn't really tell who it was because of the mist coming off the the Sea of Galilee. Throw your net on the other side. You know, there's time, folks, that we have a problem. We get to fishing on the wrong side of the boat. And what we have to do is listen to what God has to say. And we, we follow his direction as he takes his hands and he guides us to throw that net on the other side. Because we're looking at it differently and we're not looking at it as God wants us to. He has the hands to guide us. And he's got the hands to help us to recognize who he is. You remember the two on the road to Emmaus? You know where most people spend their time when they read this story about the road to Emmaus? They spend their time trying to figure out who those two people were. Who was that? Could have been this, could have been that. It doesn't matter. In fact, I heard one man say it makes more sense to me than anything. He said it a husband and wife. They were going. Could have been. I don't know. But the gist of the story is this. 
Jesus explained everything to them. They knew something was there, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. And this, is, this comes from the book of Norman, chapter 2. Because it said when Jesus sat down and broke the bread with them, then their eyes were opened and he was gone. And we know that story, don't we? But I can't help, I just can't help it but to think that as the guest, he blessed and he took that bread in his hand and he went like this and broke it to pass it. And when he broke it, they saw the holes in his hands and their eyes opened. Folks, there's only one person that is going to take something man-made to heaven and his name is Jesus. And when we get there, we'll see those hands. His hands that calms our storms. His hands that guides our nets. His hands that lead us to the valley of the shadow of death. So he's the truth. His hands guide us in our lives today. But then look at verse 3. Or verse 4, I mean. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Enter in. Enter in. You know what that means to, uh, to me? That means that we are accepted by God. He accepts us. He accepts me just as I am. And look at it here. He accepts me even though I am a sinner. But God demonstrated His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Even though we're sinners, Christ died. He loves me. He gives me my worth, as we mentioned this morning. And the worth is in the gospel that we have in Christ Jesus. But not only does he accept me in whatever court I'm in, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. No matter where I enter in, I come through Christ. He is that door that opens to us and he accepts me inside there, even though I'm a sinner. But he also accepts me into the family of God. The family of God. You see, I'm adopted. Are you adopted? Amen. Yeah, y'all do like this. Yeah. yeah, we are. We don't, we don't get into God's family. By, you know, we're, we're born again. But we are orphans until that birth takes place. And immediately we're adopted into the family of God. He has one son. His name is Jesus. But we become joint heirs with him. And so I have a father who is in heaven. I am adopted by that father, and I have all the rights of the sonship. And that is what God gives to us. He accepts us as his family, and he accepts us into his presence. He is with us. So God accepts us for who we are. Know that he is the Lord, he is the Lord God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. And then look at the last part of verse 4. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Bless his name. The scripture says he has a name that is above 
every name. What is that name? What is that name? Huh? Okay, listen, listen to the verse. He has a name that is above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is, and here's the name. What's his name? He is Lord. He is Lord. A lot of people were named Jesus during his time, even, even have that name today. He is, he is Jesus. That's how we recognize him. But folks, when we leave here, he's Lord. He is Lord. And so here he calls us and he said, bless his name. How do we bless his name? He has a name that is above every name. And that name is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord of my life. He is Lord of your life. He is over all of this world. Which means that we are to bless Him. That we are to reverence Him. He deserves our worship. Because of what He's done. Because of, of the good that He is. He accepts me. He accepts me as I come to Him. And then He has a name that is above every name that you and I recognize. And we should even today. We call Him Lord. Lord. Because He is Lord. He is our Lord. And then in verse 3, know that He is my God. No. No, that's what He said. 2 Timothy 1.12. Remember what Paul said? I know whom I have believed. And I am able that he is able to do everything for me. I know whom I have believed. And we must know whom we believe. He is our truth. His hands guide us. He accepts us. His name is above every name. And then we say, I know whom I have believed. Last week we talked about who is this king of glory. Remember that? He is the creator of the universe. He is the king of glory. That's who he is. Because he is God. He is God over the universe. He is God of everything that we have. And I know that we sang a moment ago, because he lives, because he lives, I can live eternally with him. We've got to know those things. Do you know that? I know that I have been saved. I know that I've been redeemed. I know that I am in Christ. I know that. And the psalmist tells us, know that He is the Lord. He is God. And then look at verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Notice that phrase, the second one. His mercy is everlasting. Folks, that very simply means our salvation is secure in Christ. Everlasting. Helps us to understand that. 
He is everlasting for you and I. His mercy is everlasting. So he gives us a reason. He gives us a reason to praise him. He gives us a reason to worship him every day. You don't have to come inside here on Sunday to worship the Lord. You can worship at your house. Worship at your kitchen table. Worship in your chair. Wherever you are, you can worship the Lord no matter where you are. He's given us a purpose and a reason to worship Him. We have great reasons to praise Him. Praise Him. Because of all the good that He's done for us. All that He's given to us and all that He does for us. He's given us a reason to praise Him because He's offered to come and receive us. And we can come to Him. And He's helped us to endure. Our salvation is secure. I want to go back over what I just shared with you. And I want you to notice something with me. And just, just keep these things in mind. He is our truth. He, is his, he provides His hands to guide and to lead us. He accepts us for who we are. His name is above every name. We are to know that He is God. And our salvation is secure. And every one of those first words spells T-H-A-N-K-S. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know what he says to us here? Come before his presence with singing. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Thanks. We need to make sure that we don't forget to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. It's amazing what all God's done for us. Amazing what God gives to us. How God blesses us. Thank you, Lord. Don't you know it just thrills his heart when we take the time to recognize who he is and all that he is? Thank you. Try it sometime. Make you feel a whole lot better and bring glory to the Lord as well. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection that brings us power to know that one day we'll see Jesus face to face. Thank you for the truth that he will come again someday. Thank you for the truth that we'll be in heaven someday in a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Thank you, Father, for gifting us to serve you, to walk with you, to trust you, to lean upon you. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We don't have to fear. We don't have to overthink everything, Lord. We just need to keep our eyes fixed on you because you are God. Thank you for all that you provide us. I pray that you go with us as we dismiss tonight. I pray, Father, that you keep us in your care. Father, that you love us with all of your might. And Father, that we will honor and serve you. Go with us through this week. 
to bring honor and glory to you in everything that we do. Father, we love you because you first loved us. Meet our needs. See us, Father, through these days ahead. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Good night.